Welcome again to the Elm City Vineyard. You've been welcomed many times. I'll do it again. As Josh said, my name is Matt. Um, I'm one of the elders here at ECV. We are continuing our, our summer series, um, uh, Life in the Body, um, reading through this letter that the ancient church planter Paul uh, wrote to a church that um, he had been part of planting in Corinth uh, in the ancient Mediterranean. Um, you can probably turn this down a little bit. I'll lean into it, and then it'll be loud enough. Um, but this week, um, we're thinking in particular about, um, sort of thinking about this phrase, um, life together with a living God. Life together with a living God. Now, that, that phrase, life with a living God, um, that has been, oh, I don't, oh, yeah, it'll come up later, maybe. It actually... Now I know what that whole icon thing was. All right, it won't come up. But anyway, um, uh, life with a living God. Um, this phrase was really, really meaningful to us at the beginning as we were sort of, um, we were part of a, a team uh, planting this church. Um, it, we would hold conferences about every year or so, um, and we would um, center our community a bit on, hey, what does it mean to be a people who, sure, are living life together, but are living life together in a particular context. That is, we're living life together, intentionally living life together with a living God. There's this, in, that, in, that in everything we might do, all the ways that we might think of how we might relate to one another, things that we might schedule, plans that we might make, plans that occasionally we might even execute, um, that, that it, it, at the heart of all of that actually is this God whom we cannot schedule, <laughs> for whom who we, we can't make plans for, um, after whom we are following, in whose steps we are trying to live life together. And so I, as, we, as we dig in, as, as Josh said, um, I, one of the great joys for me of 1 Corinthians is it feels to me whenever we're reading this letter, we're living this letter. Um, and I think that's uh, no less true today than it has been and it will be going forward. So let's just pray uh, right now. Um, God, we are here because you are here. We are here because you speak. We are here because you move and act. And we uh, began in worship. We have encountered you in communion. We just want to continue to be with you, to hear what you have to say. So come, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living Christ, have your way in this place. Speak to us, your people. Amen. So we're in the beginning of uh, chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, um, and Paul, Paul begins saying this. He says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, I'll, I'll pause right there, um, almost everywhere that you're going to check, this is going to say spiritual gifts. I'm almost, wow, I don't know. If I had to bet, I think Paul means spiritual people. Um, the, anyway, um, I think he's, because Paul's earlier, right? If you remember right back in the first couple of chapters, Paul was talking about spiritual things being discerned by spiritual people. And this is the word that he used there. So I, I don't see why we wouldn't just say spiritual people. When we get to gifts later, he actually uses a different word. Anyway, all right. So concerning, I think, the spiritual life, what does it mean to be spiritual people? I don't want you to be uninformed, Paul says. 
you know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Again, I can't help but pause. Um, He doesn't say you were led astray by idols who cannot speak. After all, idols who cannot speak don't do anything. So they didn't do anything to you. There is one who does lead astray, though, um, uh, the enemy of your souls. And that one is at work and delivered you, Paul says, to these idols who could not speak. All right, led astray to, not by, to idols that could not speak. And so that was your situation. And so he says, so there's some things you got to know. I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So as I was saying, I I, I think Paul is, Paul's just trying to meet these folks right where they're at, Right? Just saying, hey, look, I know you don't have much experience with gods who talk. Your idols were mute. The living God speaks. So you need to know some basics, right? Including, I mean, we'll get to these like basic rules of discernment. I think you'll agree with me. These are pretty basic, fundamental rules. But he, but he begins with this sort of situation. He says, look, you have idols that cannot speak. The, this is, uh, I think this is, uh, hmm, goddess of the underworld? Anyway, um, uh, but there were, there were various temples in Corinth, and these folks were involved, and um, Paul sort of knows this is sort of where you're coming from. This is, for many of them, their spiritual background. And it's easy, of course, to think like, well, I don't, I don't have statues like that in my house. Um, I don't have idols quite like that, but Uh, If we pause for a moment, we'll realize we too have idols. And I want us to, well, we'll consider for a second what our idols might be. But then I want us to consider for a bit what it means that our idols are mute. Because actually our idols seem like they're talking all the time. And that's actually how idols work. Okay? Idols are are nothings (laughs) that seem to be uh, incredibly powerful, and especially seem to be talk, talk, talking all the time. There were special ceremonies, actually. You'd go in, when, like the founding of a pagan temple, and there'd be the sort of moment of like, like saying, saying, saying the particular words and spreading the blood and doing whatever you needed to to open the mouth of, of the idol. The mouths of our idols, I think, have been opened in that weird way that mute idols speak. First, what are our idols, though? I I take it something in our lives is an idol if it is something that we place our hope in, something we seek our security in, something we ground our identity in. we can go back, back through, if you can look at the sort of the, the, the prophets of the people of Israel, um, and they will talk through, um, talk about idols in these sorts of ways, contrasting them with God, who should be the one in whom we place our hope, God in whom we should find our security, God in whom we ought to ground our identity. So if we want to find our idols, we just need to ask ourselves, when it comes to hope, no, that's that button. When it comes to hope, um, what is the surest reason that you have to expect good things in your future? Just ask that question, honestly. Sit down and journal. Try not to give the pious answer, right? Like, 
Jesus. I hope so. I think that's true. My hunch is, if you, if you really pause and think about it, there's some other answers that are at least as obvious from the ways you live, the ways we live our lives, right? Okay. About security, we should ask, um, when all else is shaken in your life, what makes you feel secure? Again, there are pious answers to that, and there are the honest answers to that. If, um, and wherever we are following Jesus, the honest answer probably has some piety mixed in, but I doubt it's 100%. And when it comes to identity, what is it without which you would find it difficult to recognize yourself? What is it that if you lost it, you'd be like, I don't know if I'd be me anymore. All right, we could just like end the talk here. You should take those three questions. <laughs> you should like go do some journaling. You should do some, do some reflection. In fact, I'm gonna pray for us right now and we are gonna pause and we're gonna listen a little bit, okay? Um, it will be uncomfortable, like, because like being in a large room and not having anyone talking at you, but we're thinking about talking and listening. All right, so we're gonna pause for just about a minute, but I'm gonna pray. Holy Spirit, again, we are here at your invitation. Would you come and speak to us? Speak to us, maybe even highlight for each one of us just one of these questions that you want us to lean into in this minute right now. Come and speak to us about where we place our hope, where we seek our security, where we ground our identity. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Spirit, continue to speak to us even as we press on in your word. Continue to, to just show us what other than, who other than Jesus um, sort of has this place in our hearts. Just keep doing your work. So I don't know what came up for you. Um, well, I can share about some of what I imagine might come up, um, what has come up for me in various seasons of my life, um, places that we might look for idols who, remember, cannot speak, but often seem to. On a weekend like this one, we probably ought to mention the possibility that nation um, might be uh, an idol for us, that 
staying in that realm for a bit, um, party politics, whatever our politics or our ideology might be, those might sort of come up for us. Whether Democratic, Green, Republican, you name it. When I think for me more specifically, when I think about like, what do I sort of, like what do I actually, like what do I grab for when it feels like life is like, I'm not sure I'm safe. Um, it's reputation, it's, it's, off, it's my education often, right? The sort of, like the Yale idol, right? That says not just uh, affiliation with this institution isn't just affiliation. It's a source of all of these things that we talked about of hope and security and identity. Any number of other things I think function this way for us. Uh, technology, ideas of, of progress, I don't have to be technological ideas of progress, but sort of idea of progress we're deeply invested in that we think gives us meaning, a sort of hope for the future that's like, no, 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 progress, like it's a real, it's, it's a thing, I can, I don't know, I don't know who God is or what God's up into the world, but like progress, I'm gonna be, gonna believe in that or again this weekend freedom power we could keep going on whatever other than God it is in which we place our hope or seek our security or ground our identity these are our idols um, and these idols are mute but they seem to talk they depend on people to do their talking for them. Voices of, there are idols that cannot speak, but they have voices of idols that cannot speak. And so as we think about our idols, we might also think about who are the voices of our idols that cannot speak. In preparing for this talk, I realized like my, my Twitter follows are basically, like the people I follow on Twitter, these are in many ways a constellation of people who voice my idols, right? My politics, um, especially my aspirational politics, right? Those who are able to talk in a way that I haven't yet learned to talk. Um, they are my political superiors. I follow them on Twitter in the hopes that I might learn someday to talk like they talk, right? to have like pure, good political ideology like they have. Or my professional identity. Um, again, my aspirational professional identity. I follow people who have an identity that I want to have. I want to learn to talk like they talk. I want to listen, I want to hear from them. Um, and I don't just want to hear from them, I want to hear what they represent. People who are seen the way that I want to be seen. People who give voice to the sort of reputation that I idolize. And as I said, these aren't just the people who voice my idols. These are people from whom I am trying to learn how to give voice to my own mute idols. And my hunch is I'm not alone. As often as not, I think we probably do the idols talking for them. We, 
work out systems, systems of ideology that help us to speak the, in the names of our idols and sort out each other's speech. Are they towing the line? Are they qualified puppeteers for this particular idol? Do they know its voice? That is, are they able to produce the voice of this particular idol? I think this is the world that the Corinthians are sort of familiar with that Paul's trying to call to mind. Like this, you know how this goes, these mute idols that you have to work so hard to figure out how to speak in their voices, how to recognize their voices, how to produce their speech for them. But here, Paul says, is the God who actually speaks for God's self. A God who throughout history has been making God's self known. And now, Paul, as Paul sees it, Paul is in a, writing in a particular moment at the turn of the era some 2,000 years ago. Paul is writing in a, in a moment in which in a new way, through the Holy Spirit, God is speaking so much more through and to so many more people. And if the problem before for the Corinthians, Paul thinks, was gods who were mute, the problem now is a God who is just speaking so much. Through God's own spirit poured out on all people, the mind of Christ distributed equally throughout the body, God speaks to each one of us, Paul says. And so the question then is, how do we know whether we're hearing God's voice? How do we know whether someone else is reporting something that God actually said. So Paul offers, as we said, sort of his two rules for discernment. That way we should say, these are the only the, for the first two. There are other rules of discernment that we can, um, we can, uh, we can figure, that, that actually Paul will give to us and that we can discover along the way as we do this sort of discerning of the voice of God work together, especially as we exercise gifts of discernment, which Paul will go on to describe. But these are the first two that Paul gives, and so it strikes me as really important. No one who says, let Jesus be cursed, is speaking by the Spirit of God, and no one who says Jesus is Lord is not speaking by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says it, it all has to do with with Jesus. That's actually, you, you might have all of your sort of political filters you're trying to figure out, all of your class filters you're trying to work out. You're trying to figure out like what is like appropriate speech, what's inappropriate speech, what's the like right way to do it. Paul says, first question is, what does this have to do with Jesus? And as Josh was even talking about in an announcement, there's this crazy sort of like, on the one hand, there's some strict boundaries, right? Like speaking against Jesus, like it's out. On the other hand, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's actually, that actually pushes the boundaries pretty far. Might have to struggle with the thought, I mean, especially, especially for me, who loves to critique first of all and most of all Christians. Right? To sort of put, I think Paul's trying to push here and say, at least at the moment when they say Jesus is Lord, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is at work. You got to deal with that, Matt. <laughs> All right, maybe that's just for me. But I take it again, in a certain sense, these sorts of rules of discernment, this kind of category is familiar to us. We know what it is to judge an utterance based on whether it says the right thing on what we take to be most important. Does a statement get it right? Whatever we 
think right means when it comes to all the hot button issues of our day, right? In the middle of this like Supreme Court session that's giving all of these rulings, right? You, we know how quickly we can sort out a voice based on how it talks about these particular issues, right? When it comes to abortion, do they talk about choice or do they talk about life? Whichever side you're on, the, me, the moment somebody uses one of those two words, you know, right? Whether they're with you or against you. When it, when it comes to race, if we're progressive, we know the rules. No one who says all lives matter is on our side. No one who says black lives matter is against us. We have this sort of like sorting worked out. And I, I don't think Paul's like, we have to figure out how to like deal with speech. Paul's talking about prophecy here. Um, but I wonder if Paul wants to encourage us, hey, is your first, can, can we like start with the first question being, what does it have to do with Jesus? That doesn't set politics aside, but God's at work in the middle of all that. But Paul's question to us today, I think, would be this. When we interact with one another this way, are we listening to, discerning, and obeying the voice of the Spirit of God? Or are we fighting with one another about who is best at making the mute idol speak? are actually in this difficult work of living life together with God, trying to, just, trying to hear and discern and obey the voice of the living God, or are we fighting with one another about who is best at making the mute idol speak? And you would think it would be easy to keep those two completely separate, but it's slipperier than we might at first imagine. As you see, both idol puppeteers and followers of the living God need to learn a voice. But the puppeteers need to know the voice of the idol in order to produce it. In order to faithfully reproduce the so-called voice of the idol. They need to know the voice. They need to know how to keep the ideology pure in order to keep the illusion going. The body of Christ, on the other hand, needs to know the voice of Jesus in order to listen, discern, and obey him in all things. One is about producing the voice of the idol. The other is about hearing and responding to the voice of the living God. One is about anxiously policing the performance of the idol's ideology. The other is about joyfully receiving and responding to the dynamic utterances of the living God. And it's so easy, actually, to slip from one to the other, to begin as people eager to learn to discern the voice of Jesus, and then to become people who have great facility in producing the voice of Jesus. We go from being the voices of idols who cannot speak to being the voices of a God who cannot speak. Man, we lost some great pictures on the, on the way. I just want you to know there was a picture of a Jesus puppet on this slide that you really would have enjoyed. Um, perhaps the Lord saved me from my own um, slides. Um, right? But we can end up learning to work the Jesus puppet, and we try to outdo one another in keeping the ideology pure in order to keep the illusion going because when we're in this place, we don't really believe that God's voice is real. And that, I, I, I think, is a serious danger, actually. And some of the ways that we map our idols onto, like, what Jesus says and does make it really easy for us to slip. I feel that potential slippage. Paul is asking us, do we serve a mute idol with this one named Jesus, or are we in dynamic relationship with a living God? 
Are we focused on making sure that the Jesus puppet stays on message, or are we focused on being nimble and responsive to a God on the move? Because there's a lot that changes when we go from voicing mute idols to discerning the voice of the living God. For one, when we voice mute idols, we are left to our own devices. Hence the anxiety, desperately trying to get it right. But when we discern the voice of the living God, God actually helps us out. God gives us gifts because God is real and alive and at work in the world. And so Paul goes on, he says, now you should know there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is to the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He goes on, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. And so typical to what we've seen in 1 Corinthians, God deals with us both as individuals and as a community. God gifts each one of us differently. As usual, difference is good and God-ordained. The oneness of God calls for unity, not the uniformity of the body. That is, right, let me say that again. The oneness of God calls for the unity, not the uniformity of the body. A variety of gifts are to be used for the common good. And that actually is the second key difference. Whereas when we voice one of our idols, we compete against each other to see who can do it best. When we discern the voice of God, we work together. When we speak for an idol, we compete with one another in order to see who can capture the voice most purely, most authentically, who can reproduce the ideology most purely. When we discern the voice of God, we work together, we don't compete with one another. God gives us gifts not so that we can individually get this done, but so that as a community we can, we can do this work together not competing against one another. Each has a gift and another has another, and we exercise these gifts in a way that allows us to hold these words of God together. It's this totally different collaborative way of living life together. So the mind of Christ is distributed throughout the body. We'll get into more of what Paul's sort of metaphor if it is just only a metaphor of the, of the body uh, of Christ. Um, but we'll see the mind isn't actually just isn't one part of the body. It's not resident in a particular part of the body. It's the mind of Christ, the spirit of Christ seems to be suffused throughout the whole body. It's listened to, the mind of Christ, the voice of the living God is listened to by the whole, discerned by the whole, obeyed by the whole. And we need all of one another's gifts in order to do that work. And so spiritual gifts are for building up the body by helping the body do its basic work of listening to, discerning, and obeying God. This is the basic work of the body of Christ, I take it. The basic work of life with a living God. We listen, you've heard me say it already three, so many times, we listen to the voice of God. We discern what we hear. We obey what we 
discern. And spiritual gifts are God's resources for helping us do this work. And some of them are principally gifts that help us listen. Some are principally gifts that help us discern. Some are principally gifts that help us obey. I think I left a couple out of there. Healing should be under the obey. We need all three, and we often find that as an individual, we don't have everything that we need. That's intentional on God's part. That's intentional. God didn't give anyone everything. God didn't give anyone everything. And so inter interdependence is a feature, not a bug. And so difference is part of God's creative intention, and so God gives us what we need, but almost always some of that provision comes through providing us one another. Because God didn't give anyone everything. This is how it works. This is how it works. So I was preparing, I was uh, thinking back to one of those early Life with a Living God uh, conferences. It was early on in the life of this church. Um, first summer, second summer, something like that. And uh, at the time, I was, I was lead pastor of the church, but I was clearly, it's, it's true, like, I was clearly like, like behind the curve. I'll just be honest with you, like on a lot of this spiritual gift stuff, right? So um, th and that's just true. That's just, that's real. That's how it was going. Um, and I, uh, we had this thought uh, that came, came to someone. It was sort of, uh, this idea came up. I think it was like in prayer, listening. God, what would you have us do during this conference? And now during the conference, fair enough, um, I honestly, I, I sort of thought that this conference would impart um, uh, I'm probably being honest about it. I probably thought it would, pro it would help like, correct for some of my deficiencies that were taking root in a community that I was leading. That's welcome to the twisted way that my mind works. Um, but some part of that was good. Um, and, and, and so the, the, we had a guest speaker, uh, a couple of guest speakers. They were going to come in. They were going to do this conference. What should we do for church on Sunday? As during the, through, through the flow of the, the conference, we were sort of thinking about this. We should listening and, and thought maybe God was leading us to have a healing service on, for our Sunday service. Really nothing else, we wouldn't do, do anything else, we'd just have a service just to see if God wanted to heal some folks. And I am not, I am not exaggerating when I tell you it was like, it felt like a spiritual battle for me to like show up to church that day, right? Lead pastor, healing service. I'm like, We've been talking a little bit about like how faith works in these situations. I think I am a faith liability. Maybe this would be better if I don't show. I'm, I'm not, again, not joking. Funny now, less funny then. But we have this service. And um, before the service, some folks are going around. I think Josh was among them going around on, on, on the green, inviting folks to, to come, come to this healing service, uh, see if, if anybody needed healing. And we have our service, and we go. We get to the point where it's like, all right, what is God doing? Who who needs healing? And a man who had come in uh, with his knee in a brace, his knee had been in a brace for a long time, hadn't been able to to walk without it for a long time. He comes in, and all right, it's time to do the thing. So 
uh, I am not the hero of this. You know, you know by now, I'm never the hero of my own stories. Um, so I'm, as I'm cowering in a pew, trying not to feel like a liability, um, Josh and Hannah and perhaps a few others gather around this, uh, this man and pray for him. And begins to, sort of, Josh is checking in with him. Like, hey, is he like going better? Does it feel, feel like healing might be happening? The guy's like, yeah, I, I think so. But, um, you know, is it, I mean, is it really better? Is it like healed? And he's like, well, it's hard to tell with the, with the brace. And so Josh is like, you should, well, it's like take off the brace. I am like across the room and I'm already thinking, I'm like, this is like, like I had just gotten our liability insurance worked out, you know? Like I, I'm like, I'm like, this is like, this is a bad scene. Like this, this feels like malpractice. Um, but um, take, before I can, before I can like go further in my worrying, like the, 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 the guy is like running laps uh, like around, around a sanctuary. He'd been healed. This gets reported to the service. Like we are encouraged. Um, I am, I think I'm even at that point, I think even I am able to be encouraged. I think this is how ministry in the body works. Especially with broken people, which is the only kind we have to work with, the only kind God has to work with. We listen, right? We heard the possibility that God was asking us to do a healing service. We discerned. We felt it was um, from the Lord, and we went forward. We obeyed. Some of us did. <laughs> Exercised gifts of miracle work and healing and tremendous gifts of faith. Um, and I say we. I didn't do most of that. At times, as I said, it was all I could do not to stand in the way of it happening. I suppose I exercised some degree of discernment in being on board with the service happening. Um, Hannah will tell you that while she felt a leading from the Lord to pray for healing, it was more, uh, she, she also was like a little bit like, oh, like taking off the brace. Like that's, that's a step, right? That, that's, wow, we're going in. Um, Josh had the faith for that, right? That's, that's its, own sort of, its own sort of gift, right? So it begins with some sort of prophecy, a sense from the Lord, continues in some sort of discernment. Um, and then we walk in with like uh, works of, of, of miracles or, or healing backed up often by folks um, exercising gifts of faith. I can't tell you how many times since I have been in an ECV home group or prayer meeting where, I mean, this is just what it means. This is just like how we work. This is what we do. This is what it means to live life together with a living God. The God who doesn't give anyone everything. God knits us together as a body, each unique each different, each particular in our giftings, and as Paul will talk about next week, um, particular in our histories and in our social positions. The body is not uniform, but it is unified. Unified as we work together as Christ's body. And ultimately, I think this becomes another of Paul's really important discernment principles. Present throughout his letters, Paul's first approximation, maybe, for what it is to listen for affirmation of the Lordship of Christ. 
Does it build up the body of Christ? Does it edify the community? Does it attend to the unity and diversity of the body of Christ? That's what it means truly to submit to the Lordship of Christ. And we can recognize, we can recognize that in God's speech as God speaks and moves and acts in our midst. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come, come forward. In our service every week as we gather, we want to make space to try to hear from God what God is doing, to discern that together and to take steps of obedience. Um, So I'm gonna share just briefly what, a thing or two, but I, yeah, I know that, again, the body. There's some other folks who have been doing, well, I've been up here talking, others have been praying and thinking exact, about exactly what might happen in this moment. Um, one thing that I, that as we pause for a second, yeah. I think God wants to speak sort of release um, to some folks who are yeah, this is certainly for me, but hopefully also for some people in the room. Um, I think God wants to speak to some folks who are like really naturally drawn to that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to find my idols. Like, I want to identify that. I want to do, like, it hurts so good to ask those really hard questions about, like, what do I hope in? Where is my security found? Right? Um, and um, I think actually, like, God is in that, God is in that work. That's, that's, that's fine. We should, we should ask those questions. Um, but I, I feel like there are some folks who are sort of like um, mm, drawn there in ways that might even sort of um, preclude or get in the way of just sort of hearing from God, God's voice. We don't have to sort of like go through like sorting out like what is not God's voice to like hear God's voice. Actually, it usually works the other way around. As we get more and more clarity about like who God is, um, we come to sort of like get a little bit of, of leverage on, uh, on some things that aren't God in our in our in our midst. So if that's, if that's where you're at, I would just really encourage you, um, as much as it might, like, like I said, hurt so good to go ask some of those hard questions, um, to maybe like consider the invitation that God might just want to like speak God's voice to you.